0: up your dirtbags. We are back in studio with a gigantic episode. Mr. Luke Payne, how are we doing, man?
1: Cheers. Good, brother. Happy it would be Thursday today. Happy Thursday. Cheers to you. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great, man. A lot of big things going on, and this is an episode we've been waiting for, uh, patiently waiting, but I feel like this is the perfect time. Most people by now know who he is, uh, so we're going to bring in into the studio, Mr. Canadian Septic,
2: James Dixma. How's it going, man? Good, Luke. Thanks for uh, having me on. It's exciting to be a part of the podcast and uh, sitting on the sidelines, listening patiently, hearing my name a couple of times, and uh, finally get to be part of the show. About Dude, fucking right? time you get on the show, right? Jeez. <laughs> yeah,
0: I feel like we talk about you more than anyone. So I was like, man, I feel like next guest has gotta be James. Oh, there you course. go, right
2: on. I think Durvin's given me a run for my money lately, so. Oh, yeah, man. Did you hear
0: the one with Doug about the kids?
2: Yeah, well, I think I joked with you at one point too, because I mean, I've got four,, yeah. um, but those who can't uh, recruit uh, reproduce, so uh, I've got four that uh, maybe one day they'll want to work in the business right now, they all say they do. but uh, we'll see we're uh, the oldest one's only sixteen now, so uh, we'll we'll see what they want to do with their lives,
0: yeah. so I, I just want to start there. I mean, sixteen. James, I when I first met you in BC, uh, I thought I was older than you. Than you <laughs> I heard you had a sixteen year old. I was like, okay, I'm either not great at math or I'm way off here. So, uh, dude, great haircut, uh, but you're a, you look a lot younger than you actually are.
2: You do, and I mean thanks. that as a compliment. I, yeah, thanks, I get that. Uh, I get that quite often, but yeah, no. Uh, I think I'm turning thirty eight next uh, month here, so or in the next couple of days, so i uh, just got started young uh, married to my high school sweetheart we've got four kids we got married uh, just after i turned 20 and uh, i think we had our first uh child at 22. so um yeah we just got started a little bit earlier than uh, than most folks are used to these days but uh yeah absolutely loving every minute of it getting to go out to the uh softball fields going out to the hockey rinks helping out with all that stuff but uh I don't know how some folks get started a little bit later in life because I, I don't know where they find the energy for it. I'm only 38 and I'm just exhausted by all of it. So I'll tell you
1: what, I don't think from the guy's standpoint that they ever lose their drive, but maybe maybe the women do.
2: <laughs> there you go. Exactly.
1: To keep it to keep it PG, but I think every guy can relate to that. But anyway, um okay, James, did you one of my questions, did you go to college at all? Did you like high school, college?
2: Yeah, so I did. Uh, I did take some courses to start towards my business administration uh, degree. I got about a year's worth of courses under the belt, but um, you know, it- I getting started as young as we did. I uh, was doing a lot of work, and work uh, started taking over for uh, schooling. And so, you know, I've always had a business uh, mindset or interest in it. But uh, yeah, no, we got started. Pretty pretty early on that, but didn't didn't fall through too far. Uh, just got more more experience, uh, life experience rather than the uh, college education. Fucking right, good for you, bud. Let yeah. me bring my inner Canadian out here. Yeah. Hey, you know. yeah hey.
1: Um. Okay, so I'm doing some quick math in my head. So 20 when you had kids, you know, obviously. 20 yeah 22 you yep. married your mice your high school sweetheart when you were 20 um looks like you established Canadian septic septic in 2016 is that correct yep so, absolutely Luke was telling me a little bit about that but did you work for somebody for a couple of years like tell us kind of your background that way
2: yeah so uh, coming out of high school I worked at a uh a wrestling mat manufacturing company out of uh, Chilliwack BC uh, started I in the back. Wrestled. I don't mean to cut you off no no, no. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I, it's something you Americans love about wrestling with other sweaty dudes and tights that uh, made the business go for a while, but uh, absolutely kept the lights <laughs> on. <baby. laughs> made yeah. some trips down into uh, Idaho and Washington. Did uh, did a bunch of deliveries, but uh, didn't work too long in the back before they moved me out front, um, doing some of the sales and shipping. Uh, from there, went and worked in the family business, family greenhouse for uh, a couple of years. Um, did some of the smaller sales and, and shipping as well. Uh, after that, I went and worked for my first Fortune 500 company, which was Syntas. Um, I was out running route. I don't know if that's the American or Canadian pronunciation, but I was out running route uh, on an industrial uh, park for about three years. And uh, after that, I went to go work at a uh, wireless dealer. Uh, so I was dealing with uh, business owners in the, the B2B space. Doing uh, taking care of their cell phones, GPS tracking, working together with them on some um, application style solutions. So, you know, how do you get more jobs done? How do you make more money using not just, hey, here's a cell phone, but hey, have you ever tried using it this way? Have you used it with this application? Can we, you know, uh, make your business more efficient uh, through the use of uh, the technologies that are available? Fuck yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a pretty extensive job experience. A lot
1: a lot
0: of construction in there too so yeah so much uh, a lot of a lot of septic yeah. so i mean so then fast forward to like how did you get into the septic industry because i i mean i kind of know but i think your story yep. is fascinating because uh it's not the typical experience that most people have and so um how would you get into canadian septic and um how would you started if you did
2: yeah yeah so um essentially what happened was uh the commissions in the uh, wireless world continuing to get cut back. It was a and still is a bit of a race to zero amongst the the wireless carriers. So um, I could tell that uh, my time there was was going to be coming to an end shortly with four kids and everything else that we got going on. Um, You know, this wasn't going to be sustainable for the long term. And so I started doing some uh, job searching, went to a couple headhunters and um, I kept getting put in touch with uh, garbage companies uh, to sell garbage, nothing nothing wrong with that. But those were all uh, also high pressure Fortune 500 style companies where if anybody's ever worked uh, sales for one of those companies, it's, uh, it's very much a what have you done for me lately. So there's not as much security when you start working for those guys. And in that particular industry, it's a very long sales cycle with, you know, contracts are three to five years. So you can go out and meet a bunch of people and then you're gonna have to sit on it for a while. So um, eventually I decided I was going to look for a business to purchase and take over and start to run, uh, to make it my own. And during that process, I stumbled across a business uh, business owner uh, he was set up as a sole proprietor, but he was looking to move his business because he was looking to get more into what I was doing, which was a sales role in a in a distributor type. Um, yeah, he's basically moving into a facilitator role, and he had told the the folks that he was uh, working with that the only way he would sell is or, or jump on with them is if he was able to sell his business. So um, he sort of checked a bunch of the boxes I was looking for when. Uh, I went to look at different businesses. I was looking for something that had a bit of a a bit of a barrier uh, to entry. So something that's gonna stop, you know, others from just jumping into it and again having this this whole thing turn into a giant race to zero. So um, you know, the fact that septic systems in British Columbia have some level of regulation around them, um, that there's some benefits to being certified. Uh, it sort of checked off a bunch of boxes and went through a whole um, I want to call a couple of weeks worth of due diligence back and forth going over some questions. Um, you know, not, not that different from what I was doing with the current sales folks that I was working with or the business owners rather trying to understand their processes, understand why they're doing what they're doing. Think, find out if they'd thought of doing it different ways and then just, you know, getting through all that to try and understand, uh, why they're doing what they're doing. So, um, once we went through all of that, um, decided, did some negotiating, came to a, an agreement. We uh, decided to uh, remortgage the house to purchase the company and off, off we went. I was taking that step because yeah. like I'm thinking of
1: having four kids. I was a nervous wreck when I had one and yeah. I had owned the business, you know, so I just, yeah, Tell us a little bit more of like the like the acquisition itself, like. Right. It's, yeah, that's
2: wild. yeah, no, it, it was uh, it was an interesting process. And again, I certainly had some experience with these types of conversations and having these conversations about you know how how business comes up with their profit, how they're going to make money, how we can streamline some stuff. So, you know, um, I found it on a on a website that was just basically business listings in, in British Columbia. And I think I wrote, oh, I'd have to go back, but I, I probably had two pages of questions like word doc, wow. 10 font, like double-sided, like here, here's my <laughs> questions. And uh, he even said to me at the time, he's like, Oh, I was, I was really excited. I was impressed that you had all these questions. And then I sent him a second set. I don't know if he was as impressed at that point, but, <laughs> a little um, annoyed. but you know, there, there's no guarantees in life. Right. Um, but I felt like I had bases, as though, much information bases. as I could possibly get um, before going in. And, you know, the other part of it, too, like we went through some of my my work history before um, when I was at Sintas, I was running route and, you know, you're a glorified laundry boy. Like there's there's work, right? Like you're not just talking to people, schmoozing and doing whatever like you're huffing. Laundry up two flights of stairs, the clean stuff. That's the fun part. Then you got to take the dirty stuff down. And but the the training and everything that goes along with that. Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't afraid of work, but part of the process uh, when we went through the acquisitions was, you know, uh, I, I took a week off of work and said, I'm going to shadow this guy for a week to make sure I haven't lost my ever loving mind. Like, uh, can I do this? Like, am I crazy? and um you know went went for a week with the guy saw how many voicemails he had sitting on his phone monday morning that hadn't been answered saw some of the uh, efficiencies that uh, could have been put in place and we've we've tried to as much as we can since then um but yeah that's that's basically the process and and the other part was with all those questions was trying to figure out okay, what's real and what's not, you know, especially as a sole proprietor, trying to go through the accounting and figure out, okay, what's real, what's not, what do you need? What do you not need? You know, um, part of a perfect example going through the process. One of the things that I was able to figure out through it was um, this individual had exclusive rights with a certain treatment plant. Um, Mm -hmm. He could import them himself and he was essentially making an extra twenty five hundred to three thousand bucks per install because he was buying them essentially at distributor cost pricing. I was not going to be getting those rights when I went to purchase the business. So look at that one. Okay, you sold 10 of them. So you're saying there's an extra 20 to 30 grand a year that you're making um, because you have distributor rights. I'm not getting those. I'm taking that off of what you think your business is worth. And so it's just asking the questions and you know not being afraid to sound stupid. And and that's sort of been my motto since day one, because, you know, I kept my head down for my first two years, not, not suggesting that I know anything at all. Don't make yourself sound stupid. Just observe and, and go from there.
0: Uh, James, I want to jump in. I have a few questions, but I'd say the first one I want to touch on, and I love that you brought it up is efficiencies in business. Uh, So you looked at a business, and looked at their profits but you also saw that uh, opportunities for uh, efficient efficiencies yeah. so do you still have that mindset as you've been in this business for 7 years or has that dulled or even sharpened uh, your business acumen
2: yeah i'd say we're we're still always looking for efficiencies i mean it's not lost on me the challenge with Um, recruiting individuals. One of the things that we've recently invested in is the uh, Topcon LN150 and MC Mobile, which is essentially a product that allows the operator to see where he is in relation to the, the plan and whether or not his bucket's deep enough. So we've essentially eliminated the need for a grade man on any project moving forward, because you can see it all from the cab of the machine. And that's why we've now purchased a service van so that you know, there's gonna be days on a septic install where I don't really need two guys standing there. Yeah. And so now he's got the van, so he's able to go do some service calls that we would regularly just turn away or hand off to someone else because we don't have the time to do it. So um, we're always looking for efficiencies. I mean, some of the other things that we've done is, is going to um, mobile forms. So when we go do a service, mm-hmm. all the photos, all the reports, everything gets um, documented on a tablet Gets emailed to the customer, so that they've got all the information they need, and eliminates a lot of the need for some of the paperwork or bringing stuff back. And again, I think it's in in large part just because I come from a different background and I've got a bit of a different perspective or outlook. Not saying it's right, uh, but it it works for us.
0: Yeah. Um, would and this is kind of a loaded question, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> like I just think it's so fascinating how you know you purchase this uh, business. So like, if you were to go back, would mm-hmm. you do that again? Or would you start from start scratch? Like most people do? I guess I'm just curious on yep. that.
2: Um, I, I'm in a bit of a unique situation. There's definitely pluses and minuses to both uh, approaches. Um, I, I would do it again in a, in a heartbeat. And yep. in large part, it's due to the fact that I was a sales guy. Uh, I didn't know anything about the dirt world. I didn't know anything about how to do septic systems. And in buying it, I had a, a mentor um, who was able to provide some guidance on on how to start. And he had a very solid um, lead generating tool in his website, which leads would come in and, you know, as a sales guy. I don't feel ever that I have an issue closing deals, but you know, to have the time to go out there and get them um, that was a large part of it. And um, the reason I'm so confident saying I do it again is just the fact that one of the things that I got along with it was the phone number. You know, if anybody's buying a business, get the phone number. I've talked to some other guys that have bought uh, businesses and they did not insist on getting the business owners cell number and I mean, you're as much as you want to trust the guy that you're buying from. If you don't have and own everything from that business, especially as a sole proprietor, um, you can run into some issues. And I, I mean, this company's not around anymore that did do that. Um, but the fact that I had his phone number uh, turned into a lot of work, uh, specifically with some of the the pipeline stuff that we've been doing. They had his phone number from doing some locate work, and it's it's proven very very useful for us and very profitable from that standpoint so um yeah i I do it again from the, the the mentorship as well as you know there's there's business coming in it's it's a little bit easier to hit the ground running when there's something coming in the door what was your driver right was
1: were you just looking for like any business at the time and were you like i'm just looking for something to stick i want something that i can build and this one just kind of checked all the boxes, you know, what was because like you said, you were
2: you were looking at a website on businesses for sale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it there, there was a couple criteria, right? Like I wanted something that we could potentially grow. Um, I know I, I remember even saying to the, uh, the guy that I bought the business off of that, you know, at some point, if my kids wanted a job, I wanted something that they could go to and do and, You know, having spent more time in the industry now than than even back then, there's there's so much space in the trades world um, that you can make good money. Like, I mean, for the the people that used to look down on not going to college and and everything that goes along with that. I mean, we're, we're at a point where everybody was told for years and years and years, go to school, go to school, go to school. Well, now everybody's got a piece of paper that cost them 80 to 100 grand to get, and so does everybody else. So you've got a bunch of folks now who are, who have some level of skill that can uh, go out there and and do something that I don't think AI or any of the technology is going to be able to replace anytime soon. They're certainly going to be able to assist. Like I said, with some of the stuff that we've invested in for our business, um, but you're not going to be able to replace that. And um, yeah, it's, it's being able to keep people out of the industry as far as the barrier to entry. I don't want anybody who just walks in with a, a machine to be able to do what we're doing. Or, yeah, just just make it more difficult. That was the main thing for me, and and find something that I could grow out. Hell yeah! Was it called Canadian Canadian Septic when you bought it, or did you rebrand? <laughs> we we did do a rebrand. Um, we did realize afterwards. So initially, it was called Septic Expert, and uh, we found out within the first six months to a year that that brand didn't have uh, the best of reputations. And just to help clarify some of the issues, we we did have some phone calls come in from folks that were um, looking for some warranty work or this, that, and the next thing. And to the previous owner's credit, he, he stood behind everything he did and said he would. Um, one of the things I did in my negotiations was said, any warranty work, like you're a sole proprietor, that's that's you. Like I'm not taking on any of that yeah. and he agreed to it. And so, um, we decided to change the name at that time when I went to incorporate, they wouldn't even let me incorporate the name septic expert. They said it was too generic. Apparently Canadian septic wasn't, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, that's what we started rolling with after, uh, like I said, I think about six to 12 months. It's when we started, uh, calling ourselves Canadian septic. Hell yeah.
0: And you swipe the domain canadianseptic.com, which I mean, NCA. And
2: yeah, I mean, I swiped those septic license plates too. Nobody had that. So, (laughs) yeah,
0: (laughs) dude, I mean, that's a, I I love the perspective you bring to this industry and to septic and it's uh, obviously Luke and I are are big on the industry as well. And we just love um, most things about it, and so um, all things. I got to, love all things about yeah, it. Good things. Sorry, that. I do not want to sound yeah. like you know yeah. too fruity there, but no. uh, James, I got to meet you. Um, it would be a few months ago now, up yep. in what I now call Nanaimo. Uh, originally I thought it was Nanaimo. So I remember we
1: were talking that on a podcast, Luke, and I'm pretty sure you said Nemo on the first time. No, I did. not
0: I'll have to look back, but I definitely thought it was Nanaimo, and so. I get there and, um, you know, James, you hooked us up big time. I mean, uh, for anyone that, you know, hadn't heard the story, uh, James had talked to the board up in BC uh, for their septic conference, essentially, and uh, had me come in and speak at their conference. And so it was an incredible opportunity. It was on Vancouver Island and uh, really got to meet you and hang out with everyone there. And so that was an absolute blast but then, you know, at Con Expo we got to get together again, have some beers. Because um, Luke, that was the night we were at that uh, casino. The, the casino, and you lost some money in blackjack. I think so. Uh,
1: one in blackjack, I lost on the fucking slots. All oh, the slots, yeah. <laughs>
2: they took me for a ride that night. Oh shoot. That's why I stay away from any gambling. I, the the machines are programmed to win ninety seven ninety nine percent of the time. Why why would I why would I try my odds at that? Because it's fun. Yeah. <laughs>
1: there's, that. Know, there's that there's that chance.
0: <laughs> I think uh, Luke and I are still trying to figure out why we do that as well. But yeah. uh, that that's another podcast. So um you know James I I have another question too of you yeah. know you when you purchase a business and you look for these criteria uh, I feel like it also. Gives you that opportunity to one day sell the business, and I tell everyone this: I say, always build your business as if you were to sell it, even if you have no um, care to ever sell it. And so it's like, yeah, I want to keep it in the family, no problem. Build it as if you were to sell it. And so I'm curious to hear your take on that, what you think about it, and if that's crossed your mind ever.
2: Yeah, no, it's it's definitely uh, it's definitely front of mind at some point. You know, that's that should be everyone's goal. I mean, if uh, you're dumping your money into your business instead of a 401k or that that's sort of your retirement plan is to sell off your business, whether it's to your kids or to someone else um, down the road. Um, You know, one of the things one of the reasons we're trying to focus on uh, some of our uh, maintenance and repair side of things is, you know, some of that's repeatable. And if I want to get onto some service contracts or, or agreements with some customers the the way that someone's going to view the value of a company when you've got some recurring um, revenue that's coming on a regular basis i mean you're going to get a higher multiplier on that part of it versus you know the the business that i ended up acquiring i think i was probably about a one-to-one uh maybe even a little less wow. than one-to-one when you talk about um the, Is that the business base, whatever he made in a year yeah. was what the val- the value of the business was which again I can't argue with that and I would I would venture a guess at this point that mine's probably not much different We haven't made the headway that we need to yet uh, to to build that value up um, but that's that's part of the goal is to make sure that uh, people understand uh who Canadian septic is and and it's my job to make sure that it becomes more than just myself or just myself an Aryan or or how do we how do we build it up so that yes I can still be out in front of it but yeah. that there's something for someone else to buy I mean I, I looked at one point at a uh, a pump truck company uh, to add to the portfolio say okay we're gonna offer this service now and the the way it was set up it just it didn't make sense if I was buying a a business that had companies or sorry had employees and and assets it made sense but the way that this one had worked it was not gonna makes sense for us. So that's that's a large part of it.
0: Yeah, so what are ways that a business can um, put some systems in place right now that would increase that multiple instead of just a liquidation? Like, yeah, you buy my assets of machines and trucks and that's it. Like, How can you increase that multiple to where there's a lot more value like contracts
2: and other things? Yeah, so for us, I mean, any septic system that's put in, has been put in since 2005 should have come along with a maintenance plan and a maintenance schedule. Um, Nobody's checking in on it from the province to say, is anyone actually doing this or not? But if you can get customers on board and start getting them onto a a contract that says, okay, we're gonna come every year, every six months, whatever it is to do maintenance on your system, which, is more than just pumping out your septic system, especially when we get into the higher treatment uh, levels with blowers and ultraviolet bulbs and everything else that goes along with that. If I can show somebody that there's recurring revenues and it's and it's consistent and I've got the employees there that are, are willing to you know stay on if someone ever does decide to sell a business. And I certainly have no plans anytime in the near future to do that. But that's that's where the value is for someone else stepping in going, OK, well, I can just put the money into this and it's going to generate revenue for me and I'm going to make money um, by, by doing that. That's that's how you create the value. So not not that different than what you're doing, um, Luke, with Phaser, the fact that you've now got somebody running the business for you um, yeah. from the from the day to day stuff. Um, you know, if you can offer that to someone where there's the, the systems and people in place to just continue to print the money, create the revenue. Um, that's, that's a value it when it's just a single operator, that's, you know, doing all his own quotes and is, is essentially everything to the business. That's not of much value to someone. Cause I know I even had somebody, um, approach me, I want to say two years ago, asking if I was willing to sell as well, you're not going to value it at what I think it yep. is and, and rightfully so, but, um, yeah, it's, it's all, it's all part of it.
0: Yeah. I always say everything is always for sale, but a lot of times it's not going to make sense. If you look at a business valuation or how you should value a business. So, uh, some, you know, I've had a lot of people ask me like, would I ever sell phaser? I'd say, absolutely. Like as, as long as the numbers would make sense. But if somebody came to me today and said, I would like to buy a phaser, I will give you, usually it's like a four X multiple. Um, and I would say like, I'm not ready. I'm not going to sell, but if they said, we would give you a, 12x multiple because of XYZ, I'd be like, sure. Like 100%. Uh, you know, or I'd talk with, you know, the boss about <laughs> but, but uh no, totally. Yeah. But Luke, I'm cu- curious, you know, from your perspective, you know, more on the dirt side, because I think septic is an interesting, uh, there's it seems like there's more opportunity for recurring maintenance. Um, do you have any uh have you seen that some of that recurring revenue come into play like on the dirt side?
1: No, because there's from our, like the work that we do, we don't have any maintenance schedules that can create reoccurring revenue. We do have our name and our relationships and that's what creates our reoccurring revenue. And that honestly, that go, the best way if you were to, if Cole and I were ever sell Western, right? Essentially Cole and I have to take ourselves out of the equation and let our employees create those relationships with a lot of our general contractors Right, So pe- people looking out can see like, oh, hey, it's not the business owners that have that. There's the yeah. employees that work within the business that know everything about it. They probably know more than the employers do. Yeah. You know, the people that own the business, that's what makes it super valuable.
0: Yeah, and Luke, I think to your point too, it's like, it's the employees, but it's like the systems that they're the employees are working in. And so yes. like, as you and Cole are building that out, the image, the brand, uh, the systems of like how we do things and why we do them, Uh, you'll be able to plug in more employees, fewer employees, like however you do that and however you scale it. Um, But you're kind of at the point of like necessity, like you and Cole can't run everything because you guys are just too big to do that.
1: It doesn't even have to go to being too big, right? It becomes more of like the efficiencies like we had talked about. For sure. Right. It doesn't matter your size as long as you have everything in place to where it makes sense for people. And it does it helps everybody's workload, right? It doesn't matter if it's the owner, or the operations manager. Say the owner's doing everything. Okay, well those people within the business aren't acting, you know, they don't have responsibility. Why would they yeah. stay? Okay, yeah. then reverse the roles. Okay, well you know everybody or say the operations manager is doing everything within the business, but the owner's not, right? Then people are looking at the owner like, oh, you fucking pile of shit, you're not doing anything within the business. Yeah. I'm building your business. But that's, I think structure is a really big part of that to where everybody understands their job duties and they enact really fucking well in those job duties. That's what makes a business excel very
2: fast. Well, and there's a difference between what, you know, buying a business and buying a job. Yes. Yeah. Right. When you look at what I did when I bought the business, I was buying a job because Mm -hmm. the guy was the business. Mm -hmm. And if I were to sell at this point, I would feel like it's at, this time, it's the same thing, you're buying a job, so you know what your income is going to be from year to year, but you're going to have to put in the work. When a business gets to the point where the owner can basically go away for a month and nothing changes and everything keeps going the way it's supposed to go, that's when you've got something that's worth you know, a four or five X multiplier on, on what your annual revenue or, or profits are. James I would almost go up and sorry Luke if I'm speaking
1: out of turn here but I would almost go out and say that I think buying a business is harder than starting your own because you are buying something that somebody else created to where like you said I'm sure there's there was quite a few things that were hidden you know that you don't see like say with a reputation standpoint say the guy got had a really bad reputation with this one guy. And, you know, you buy the business and it comes back on you type thing. And it is now your job to try to mend that, you know, to where if you would have started that yourself, you would have maybe never
2: had that issue, you know? Yep. Yeah, no, I mean, for sure, for sure. No, there's certainly that part of it. And, you know, we, we have a fairly small community in, uh, in our area, the guys that are doing septic on the regular. And so, you know, when people are selling, you know, that somebody's different and, and, you know, we made how um, we reached out to a couple folks uh, locally, and that's where I think I learned even more was from some of the uh, the older guard that was still doing it that were very willing to help and, and sort of point us in the right direction. And and ultimately, I mean, that's one of the main reasons why I like being online on Instagram as much as I am, because, you know, I'm trying to educate homeowners. I'm trying to educate myself watching what other guys are doing. And and I like to show others how we're doing things and maybe there's something that could be done a little better. You know, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna be quoting out this septic system versus somebody else and they're not including any topsoil, they're just gonna use whatever's there, which they shouldn't be using because it's clay and it's just gonna choke everything out. But if everybody's quoting the same thing and everybody's on a level playing field, I got no problem with that. My challenge is when you run into the folks that are just undercutting the guys who are on Facebook who say they're certified and I look online I can't find them anywhere uh, that's that's got any kind of certification whatsoever and you know those those guys are a necessary evil because they do take care of some of the customers that I really don't want you know it's it's maybe a little counterintuitive to some folks but there are definitely customers that I do not want. Uh, I get more of a headache from the ones that are always grinding you and and grind you down on price and then they're the last the slowest to pay and everything else where you know why work twice as hard. um, Doing twice as much work and probably making less money if I can just say hey i'm going to do a better job than everyone else i'm going to not cut any corners and yeah you're going to pay for it, but. Now I don't have to run around in a beat up 1993 pickup truck with crap falling out the back of it. I'm going down the highway because if I don't finish this next job in time, I'm not going to make a payment on, on my machine or whatever else. And yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a different mindset. It's a different approach and that's, that's how we like to do it
0: one thing that I just thought of is learning to say no is probably one of the best things you can learn in business. Um, and it'll skyrocket your, your business because, um, most of the time we just want to encompass everybody. You know, we no job too small or too big. And I get that, especially when you're starting out, that is totally fine. But at some point you do have to start saying no, um, because you realize you're putting double the work, you're making half the money and you're just spinning your wheels. So, um, Luke and I just talked about this actually on the last podcast, uh, educating yourself and always learning. Um, But also what I think you've done a really great job of is consistency. And we, uh, we also had Devin Boudreau on uh, pushing the standard podcast. He does something very similar to you and vice versa. Uh, You guys are both always on Instagram on the stories and just educating others, but you're also educating yourself in that process. So you give an update of what you're doing and why you're doing it. And also like what issues you've run into and how you rectify those issues. So when did you start doing that? And how have you seen that, like pull the community together and like really help solve some of your problems?
2: Yeah. So I would say, I think I started the Instagram account in 2018 And I sort of made a new year's resolution for myself in 2020 um, that I was gonna try and be more present online. Uh, Like I said, when I started, I, I had very little background in the industry. So I, for me personally, I kept my head down, shut your mouth, ears open, listen to what's going on around you and try and figure that out. And 2020, I started actually by following a whack of realtors on Instagram. Uh, because a lot of them need inspections, uh, done on properties and, you know, every so often you get a follow back from them because you follow them and they'll see what you're up to, see what you're doing and you get phone calls. Um, now we didn't actually start doing real estate inspections until recently for regulation reasons. Now we're allowed to do them. We weren't before. Um, but getting online, seeing some of the other guys, you know, um, Our trailer. Uh, I I got the idea to start doing a trailer that was organized like that after I saw just a just a quick little clip from uh, Travis Jimel out of uh, Walnut Grove Excavating. He he had done something in one of his stories. Like, oh, I really like that. And even and I'm I'm still seeing stuff like today. I think it was Sunday. I was scrolling through some stories and a guy out of Washington State. I think it's Milton Excavating. He was sleeving his pressure lines off the edge of the tank. And I know it's always been a concern for us to make sure that those um, sked 40 lines are properly supported around the tanks, especially when you come off the edge and he sleeves it with a four inch uh, SDR just to help with um, making sure that that pipe didn't settle, kink, crack, break. And so that's that's why I like to be online um, again, doing some of that education for homeowners, for myself and like I said, for some of the other contractors at sea, uh, I get so many people reach out about the uh, trailer. I, yeah. I can't tell you how many people I've Crazy. sent skeds, uh, schematics of that trailer to. It and starts. Know, I'm happy to send them to whoever wants them, mm-hmm. and and just make it your own.
0: <laughs> Dude, I think you should start selling it and use yeah, start selling the stuff, to, yeah. Yeah, sell the design.
1: Fuck it. I know people that sell their spreadsheets. There you go they make good money off doing that you put in the time you put in the work you might as well
2: yeah well if if the design was exactly the same as what i put into my trailer maybe i would but it's true it's 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 been tweaked it's a living breathing organism that trailer so we've uh, we've made a couple different adjustments to it over the over the years here yeah and james i was telling luke about that you know one
0: of the big reasons um That I think people are attracted to, you know, what you're doing is just your education and your knowledge because you didn't start in the industry, but your consistency, you keep doing it. But then also like you bring a different level of organization and cleanliness, cleanliness to an industry that obviously may not see that with some other companies. And so I know when we were talking to Dervin, even in his branding, he said, yeah, we use blue for pump that septic because blue uh, resonates with like clean water and things like that. So I feel like, you, you know, your equipment, your trailer, your truck is always washed up. It's clean. Everything's black. It's branded very well. Um, and so I think that really helps as well. Paint that image for your customer, but also for other contractors to see like, you know, how can you set that standard, uh, with your company?
2: Yeah. I mean, for us, one of the things going back to an earlier conversation about efficiencies, I mean, one of the things that a lot of, um, People don't understand or are willing to just sort of throw away is the the opportunity lost cost. So if i'm on a job site and I don't have the right fitting or the supplier forgot to send what I need or what somebody's got to go run into town to go grab the part now is everybody at a standstill is everybody um you know w- what what all happens now does a does a three and a half day job turn into a four day job now i'm now is one day less that i can go spend somewhere else and so there's there's some real costs outside of just the idea of okay well it's extra fuel and it's and it's the guy's hours well no but i lost the opportunity to go spend a different day on someone else's site making more money so um you know it's one of the things when uh I did my presentation at our uh, association uh, conference that you were at as well was just helping people understand that there's, there's something beyond just the tangible um, fuel and and hourly cost that comes along with, you know, not being organized or not being clean. I can relate to that because we've had a lot
1: of instances to where somebody forgets a tool or somebody doesn't have the correct, you know, fitting, whatever it might be. And then they waste, you know, two hours trying to find it, get it, come back to the site. And you're like, we could have, we could have almost had this done and onto something else. And like you said, that's, that could relate into like a day's worth of, you know, efficiencies and labors and, you know, all of that stuff. Yeah. And it's something that people don't think about enough, especially it, especially on the employee side, I don't want to throw them under the bus, but if they were, if they were brought back and maybe shown a lot of that, you know, it would help as well. Cause you know why would they think oh you know it's two hours not a big deal take it out of my pay type thing but it yeah. is a lot deeper than those two hours you know
2: totally and that's that's why as we're working on setting up this fan um you know making sure that we've got pumps on the truck so if i need to do a replacement i have the pump with me mm-hmm. i can swap it out on the spot i don't have to go run over to the supplier to say okay well i figured out what type of pump it is now i need a replacement no i've got four different sizes of pumps and probably going to cover whatever it is that I run across and I've got the parts there. So that allows us to get that job done quicker, which means we get to go on to the next job, which we can make more money on because nobody gets paid to, you know, sit in front of a windshield. Not enough anyways. Correct.
1: Although I will say, and I don't want to jump out of turn, but UPS is paying drivers 170 grand now. I got saw that. Turn. What? I oh, saw that dude. Yeah. All right. 170 pack up grand and I'm like, sign me up. <laughs> yeah,
0: especially like all these business owners listening that feel like they bought themselves a job or they, you know, own a job. It's like, damn, UPS is paying yeah one seventy. I I saw six figures and so I listened to. It. I was like, dang, mm-hmm. it's not too bad.
1: Wow, yeah. <laughs> which is cool though. I mean, as as those people deserve that type of wage. It's it's Absolutely. a fun job, you know. But that goes into a whole new rabbit hole of. You know, I'm sure shipping prices are going up, and I'm and it's it's just going to become the new industry standard now. Yeah. But that's got to relate into contracting too. You know, there's there's such a shortage of people, and there's such a shortage of contractors. Okay, people got to be okay with paying a little bit more if they want to have contractors around. If these contractors are going to sustain people,
2: you know well, and this is part of the conversation. Why I think it's so important, especially in our industry, because I think we're we're lacking a little bit behind. You know, it's it's not collusion, but like let's let's. Foster more of a community versus a competition thing where we're willing to have the conversations with our, you know, community competition to say, hey, where are you at on pricing? Like, how are you doing this? How are like, let's understand this so that we as as a as a dirt world can start to increase some of our prices and and that base rate so that we're not, um, you know, competing against the guy that paid off his machine 10 years ago is like leaking oil all over the place. And he's quoting it out at rates that are, you know, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to have to replace that piece of machinery at some point. Yeah. So why aren't you charging the going rate for a machine? I mean, well, you're getting the, more money
1: anyway. If everybody's there already, right? 100%. Why, why would you try to race to the bottom? Like, right. like you had talked about earlier, race to zero.
2: That's something I'd never understand. No. No. And, you know, we we went for years, our first six, five and a half, six years, we went without our own machinery. We would contract it out. So, again, when when I took over the business, it was my goal for the first year not to change anything because Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I was doing, the guy before must have had a reason for what he was doing and i didn't really change anything until about the one year mark and one of the things he was doing was he was subbing out all his excavating work so we're still on site we're doing the assembly we're we're doing the planning we're doing all of that we're just hiring somebody out at an hourly rate to come do the earthworks and so when we got uh yeah i think it was about june or June or July last year, we finally decided we're going to buy our own piece of equipment and we're going to start doing this ourselves. Now, there's definitely some pluses and minuses to it. The biggest minus being now I'm trying to force our machine into jobs that maybe I need a bigger machine for. Um, yeah. Now I've got payments that need to get done regularly, um, but overall I'd say it's been a it's been a win for us. But yeah, you 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 give something up when you start doing that but you also start to, you know, make a little bit more money based on the fact that you're just running your own machinery. Yeah. Yeah. James, what are your thoughts on
0: uh, buying a piece of machinery before you have the work for it? And like, just saying like, you know, this will help me go out and get the work versus like having the work and like already stretching and then bringing in the piece. Like obviously there's no right answer, but what are your
2: thoughts on that? Everybody's going to have a different situation as far as what kind of work they have. You know, I went five and a half years without a piece of machinery. And when it got slow in the winter, I didn't stress over it. It wasn't a big deal because I didn't have machine payments. Did I pay more for the machine work and time in in season? Yeah, but I mean, that got passed along to the customer at that point. So wasn't a whole lot of skin off my back. It wasn't until you know we're doing regular work uh, where I thought, well, you know, we should we should probably start looking into this and 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 go that route. I mean, um, yeah, it, it's it's up to each individual to look at the situation. I, I have always been of the mindset. I don't buy anything until it I have the work for it. It makes sense to, to be doing that. That said, there's no guarantees that I'm going to have work a month or two or three from now. There's no guarantees in life. So it's it, once once I got through my head that. You know, even if things go to shit, I can sell the piece of machinery if I want to, and those payments stop. So, yeah. as much as I look at it and go, okay, oh, the KX57, that thing's I think it cost me 118 grand Canadian at the time. Um, I could probably sell it for the same amount right now, even though I've only got 500 hours on it. So, it's is a risk. Sure, there's always there's always risk, but it's it's not as risky as you think it is when you, when you approach it from that standpoint. Luke, I'd like to answer that too. I think it has to do a lot with
1: like situations of where economy is at and what workload looks like, because yeah, like two years ago, I mean, I, we were one of those companies, right? We went and bought a bunch of machinery and we got a shit ton of work and now we're growing. Right. But if you were to do that in today's world, you know, when pricing is getting a little bit, you got to give it more competitive. You really got to kind of understand the process. There's less margin for error. No way. Don't do it. Rent. You know, take take this time to learn to when, you know, I don't want to call it a bad time because I don't think it's a bad time, but it's, there's less opportunity now than there was say two years ago. You know, if that makes sense.
0: But at the same time, two years ago, you couldn't see
1: today. You know what I'm no. saying? You couldn't, but I mean, when when the times were good, you know, yeah. you you it's always a risk. You're always gonna absolutely. try to take that risk, right? But if you can see, like, hey, there is an abundance of stuff here, and I can I can do my best, put my head down, try to make a name for myself. Absolutely, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to finance that eighty thousand dollars skid steer, you know, and try to work like hell and make a name, you know. So where. That year later, maybe I can have a bigger fleet. Maybe maybe I can have employees and more growth, you know, to where now, me personally, I wouldn't. I would take a step back, you yeah. know, if you wanted to be in the construction trades, you know, working for somebody right now is fantastic because you can't find enough people and people are paying really well. Or yeah. you offer those services and, you know, and you rent that piece and, you know, you just, you kind of coast and you learn what you can. And then when times are good again, because they will be, and again, it's not bad, but they're not the best take that leap, you know, and you'll be light years ahead of where you would have been if that makes sense.
2: Totally.
0: Yeah, it's funny too, because I think uh, some people think being a business owner is just zero stress, like all just incredible (laughs) every single day. And it's like, I want to be a business owner. It's like, you can keep that, but it doesn't have to be today. You know, it can be two years from now, you can build up to get to that point. And, um, sometimes it is nice being an employee and like not having to worry about certain things. And also, uh, you know, you have to check yourself where you're at in your life as well. If you are like about to have a baby and, you know, maybe that costs more like right away maybe you do look at having a job for those six months just to make sure your family's good. And so I think there's certain things like that where it's all situational. It all depends. There's no right or wrong answer. Uh, And of course, you know, the economy prices um, and the competition with some of these. 100%.
1: 100%. But yeah, I don't know. Good for you, James. I don't think I could buy a business. So hearing like your story, going out and buying one, you know, it's just very cool to understand and, you know, learn more about that process.
2: Yeah, thank you. Like I said, it was it was quite the experience It was the first uh, first for me, but uh, I haven't ruled it out again for the future. If it makes sense, like I said, if uh, if there's something that we can add to uh, our our offerings, our service that uh, makes sense for us. I mean, I'm all ears. I'm always listening and uh, and willing to uh, entertain that because uh for us, we've we've had a very good uh, experience with it. Uh, when all is said and done, Absolutely. yeah.
0: And James, you know, I I always think of you. You know, it's there's shiny object syndrome, but there's also like diversifying your business in the industry that you're already in. So you know, you're not going to go buy a clothing company, but you could buy a pumping company that only um you know helps your business. So uh, I definitely see that as uh, you know we do the same thing as well. It's like how can we potentially purchase or start other businesses that accentuate our current business and our clientele. So, uh, yeah, dude, like I'm super excited for you. Uh, you know, really enjoyed getting to know you over the years and excited to see, you know, where you take this business and potentially, you know, some other brands as well.
2: Thanks man. And I, I really appreciate it too. I mean, it was less than a year ago when I, I think I first heard you, uh, on, uh, the Con Expo podcast uh, oh, when, uh, when I started yeah. <laughs> started listening and uh, went and uh, took a little uh, stroll down the podcast street and started listening to you boys and uh, it's been uh, it's been an enjoyable uh, little trip here. So oh, yeah, Luke, no. I
1: can't believe they uh, let us on
2: that. <laughs> Clearly, they didn't have somebody
1: <laughs> overseeing that. Because, they didn't do a
0: background check. Yeah, they
1: did not do a background check. <laughs> No. Well, James, thank you again, man. Thanks for your time. We know you're busy, but I'm, you know, I know a lot of people listening will be there. I think it's super cool. I know a lot of other people will think it's very cool on how you started your business and got your start. And, you know, everyone, like Luke said, is rooting for you, man. So.
2: I appreciate it. Thank you very much, guys. All
1: right.